What is up, Hockey IQ listeners? I'm here to chat about our newest sponsor, Sensorina. Your brain is one of the most important parts of your body. Why not invest in a tool that allows you to train it? With Sensorina, athletes can gain a competitive edge using VR training. Players are able to go through a scenario thousands of times without having to step foot on the ice. No more waiting around for puck touches or perfect scenarios. Sensorina can enhance reaction time, decision-making, and multitasking abilities, making you the next MVP. I mean, if the LA Kings are using it, it's got to be good. With our promo code HockeyIQ, you receive $50 off an annual plan purchase. Head on over to Sensorina.com to check it all out. On the Hockey IQ podcast today, we bring on Emily Kurlitz. Uh, did I get the last name proper? It's Kurlet, but close. Kurlet. Yes. So it's got a French twist to it. Yes, I do have a little bit of that in me. All right. Excellent. All right. Now that I've screwed up your name, all uphill <laughs> from here. So first off, uh, welcome. Secondly, Congrats on your national title. Uh, I feel like I've seen literally the OSU women everywhere around town. It's been fantastic uh, seeing the excitement and the buzz that it has created in the hockey community and just community in, in general. Yeah, it. I feel like we have been everywhere. <laughs> the state house, the courthouse, we've been to games and soccer games and literally everywhere. Um, so the city's done a great job of making us feel really special, but um, it was an incredible experience. So to have them kind of make it extend throughout a bunch of different areas, not just the hockey rink was really cool. It's been fantastic. Again, congrats. That's awesome. Uh, moving on, you, you've started a new journey uh, and one I'm really wanting to dig into because I feel like a lot of times you go to coaching conferences, you go talk to old coaches or just people who've been into the game for a long time. And they really struggle to remember what it was like trying to pick up all of this stuff. And now they've got all of this hindsight bias. And I'm like, ah, I don't, there's too much in here. I want the actual raw, like you're going through it. Like the emotions are like, I don't know. I don't, or I feel like I don't know what I'm doing all of that. And I'd love to dig into that today. I think that would be a fantastic conversation to have. So I know you're well-prepared. Obviously you don't win a national title without your preparation to make sure you're, you're ready. So what has this coaching journey been like so far for you? Gosh, um, well, up until this year, it's been a lot of doing it kind of on the side. Like whenever I can, extra nights during the week, um, especially while I was in college, especially in Pittsburgh at Robert Morris. So that was a lot of fun, but it was mostly low responsibility because I was just following other coaches. It's like we have a bunch of in-house mini mites. You're going to run this station and they're just passing. So it was kind of easy to just follow the lead. Um, but then this year it kind of turned more into having to have responsibility and make lessons, plan, lesson plans and practice plans. And, and then moving into like having an actual team, which I had no idea how to handle an actual team. So, um, it's been nice having a head coach that I can kind of follow lead with, but it's a lot of learning from literally every single time I get on the ice, like something will go wrong or I do something wrong that I can learn from every time that I'm doing a lesson or working with a team or having my own teams practice. So a lot of trial and error, very frustrating because what I want as a player is not necessarily what you can do as a coach um, or what works as a coach. So 
trying to translate my own experience and the experience of other people into actually successfully coaching people is kind of a, I'd say one of the biggest struggles I've had so far. Yeah. And, and playing does not equal coaching, uh, two different skill sets there. Uh, Wayne Gretzky is, is obviously the, the poster child for that, uh, with his experience with the Arizona Coyotes. So, uh, definitely some different skills, a lot of trial and error. Um, curious of how it's first gone for you, because I remember when I started coaching, it was like almost trying to create like mini use. <laughs> which I'm pretty sure every coach who's played in the past uh, has tried to do in some capacity and then realizes maybe not everyone is able to see and think like I do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's not that there aren't valuable traits in those coaches that are like, I want my players to have X, you know, like my biggest point is that I just want kids to work hard. Cause I think a lot of things just boil down to working hard, but not every kid is just a fiend for working hard. Like me, they care, but that doesn't mean they want to be in the ice for eight hours and that's okay. Um, so I, I think that just reminding myself that one, I'm not the best hockey player in the world. And I know that. Um, but two, my goal isn't to develop them to be the best me they could be, but the best them, they can be like their best player. That's definitely a reminder I have to do a lot. Um, but it's also like walking a fine line of, well, there are a lot of characteristics that I would want them to have, or that that I've had coaches that have fostered in me like competitiveness and not wanting to lose and working extremely hard every time I get on the ice that I do want to have in them. So I guess it is kind of a fine line of, yes, I want to develop this, but no, I can't expect them to be exactly like me in all these habitual ways. So yeah. Habits are, are separators. Uh, yeah. that's, that's obvious. Uh, but I'm curious, developing work ethic. That's, that's a very interesting struggle that you're probably, uh, going through, uh, curious, uh, your experiments with that so far, what you've tried, what's worked, what hasn't worked, what you're trying next. Uh, I'm, I'm open ears. <laughs> um, I tried a lot of things. We, coach Carrie and I have tried a lot of things. Um, I think one thing that's been helpful is doing things with them. Since I am still playing, you know, I'm not just the coach just standing there going, get on the line, do this. You know, I'm like, I will do it with you. And you have no excuse not to do it because I've already skated twice today and I'm doing it with you. So I think doing it with them gives them a sense of, you know, not being singled out like, Oh, we just have to skate because we just have to skate. Um, or, you know, even doing practices with them, you know, I have the luxury of being a player and a coach. So when we have extra coaches, I can be a player more than a coach and I can help them go through drills and they can watch me do a rep and try to pay attention to detail and make mistakes. Um, I think also just reminding them that a work ethic isn't being perfect all the time. It's trying hard all the time and listening and doing your best all the time. So I think like understanding the difference between being perfect and doing your best striving to be perfect, but like falling to whatever your actual capabilities are at that time. And that's okay. Um, So those are kind of the first two things that come to my mind with teaching work ethic. It's definitely hard to try and teach. I I love the the one sentence you, you mentioned here. It's like, it's not about, being perfect every time it's about putting in that effort 
chasing it, I guess, uh, is the best way to put it. Like you're chasing it, knowing that it's okay to fail as long as you're putting in the effort and trying hard. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely attaching. That's what we've been talking about a lot lately because record wise, we don't look so hot (laughs) at all, Um, which is okay, you know, because we keep trying to remind them that like, if you are minus 15 on the weekend, okay. If you think about being minus 15 on the weekend and that's all you think about, it's going to be a real rough weekend and a real rough week. Um, whereas other things you can think about instead of that are like, okay, how did I play? Like, what was my effort? How did I respond to getting scored on? You know, like how did I try to prevent that from happening? Or what did I change the next time to not be minus 16? (laughs) Like there's different ways of looking at things and the way that you look at it you know, whatever you look at grows. And if you're constantly focused on, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And I don't even want to try doing that. Well, that ties into work ethic. It's not necessarily that they're bad kids and they don't want to work hard. Maybe they're just discouraged and they don't want to try because they don't think they can be perfect. And they've always been taught they have to be perfect. So just kind of taming that voice in their head that makes them think they have to be perfectionists, especially for girls. I love that as well. I mean, you're just full of quotes over here. Uh, you're, you're a great interview so far. Uh, what you look at grows. Honestly, these are things like my dad would tell me growing up and just roll my <laughs> eyes. And now I'm all excited about them. I'm like, oh, dang it. <laughs> yeah, but what you look at grows. I mean, it's so true because you think about what you think about. And what you think about is like the most important thing. And it drives your mood, drives your next thoughts, whatever. And having purpose behind that, like, why would I focus on being minus? Like, that's just going to drag me down, take me to a bad place mentally, uh, attitude-wise, etc. But if you're looking at, oh, I executed this great new move that coach taught me, or, yeah. you know, me and my teammate are getting some chemistry, and we made some great plays together. Mm-hmm. Like, focusing on those things where it drives the process rather than just looking at the results, uh, and I, that, I remember, and I'm thinking back to when I first started working one-on-one with players and doing consulting and seeing all these players, like they were just riding the train, riding the wave of results. And I'm, I had to get them all to change their mentality first, even before like truly like diving into their game of thinking about, we need to focus on the process itself that leads to the results rather than the results. Uh, Nick Saban's probably a great resource for that, but yeah, absolutely true. Absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've always loved following John Wooden too. And I mean, you look at like 16 losing seasons and then I believe it was in 12 of the following seasons, they had 11 championships. So just reminding my players, whether it's like a one-on-one or it's a group or it's a team that, every time you get on the ice, you have a chance to get that 1% better. And I remember, I remember learning that when I went to national camp, when I was like 17, you know, they just said, just get 1% better every day and it will add up. It's kind of like the penny doubled rule too. So like, I just think, you know, every time you get on the ice, you can make your passes a little bit better than they were the day before. Just pick one thing and focus on it, you know, but I totally understand where you're coming from with the results mindset. And I feel like that's a lot of just like almost like a generational change too of like you need to have x results you need to have a 4.0 you need to have you know everything figured out your clothes have to be perfect your room has to be perfect like everything down to a detail in a kid's life needs to be perfect so when they get to the rink they think that you know 
if I get X result, the goal, the assist, the, you know, that's why being a defenseman is hard because you don't score much unless you're, you know, a kill Macar, right? So like maybe you have to look at different results. Like, did you block a lot of shots? Did you go stick on puck every time you had a one-on-one? Did you get beat wide? Were you solid in front of the net? Like being unnoticed is sometimes a good thing. So how do you measure that? So just teaching girls and my players a different way of looking at those results. And maybe it is still like a results oriented, but it's like the results are process. So even if you can't teach them to look at process, teaching them a different way to look at results, I think is really helpful sometimes too. Yeah. Or like the micro results, because there's only so many goals that get scored out there, but you know, there's a lot of shots. You can talk about high danger. Like there's, there's many results within like the process of all of that. Um, Mm -hmm. Changing it up slightly here. Okay, so you've you've now been coaching, but I want to know how is this coaching affecting your playing? So what lessons are you taking from coaching in applying or trying to apply into your own game? So you're obviously still playing uh, professionally. Yeah. (laughs) The first thing is when a coach says that we're moving to a drill, I ask where he wants the pucks and I move them there. I, I like take, I take a lot of initiative helping the coaches because I know how difficult it is to draw the drill, explain the drill, move the pucks, move the barriers, move the cones and take care of everything. So I think just trying to like be more efficient with my time as a player to help a coach be more efficient with their time, even though that's a side note. Um, but it's helped a lot just to look at the way that I understand drills and break them down. So I listen to specific words that the coach might say rather than before I would just, I just watch the marker on the board and just follow the pattern and do the pattern. And I need to be here at this time at that time, instead of that, I just look at it more of like, what's the goal of this drill, you know, and where do I generally need to be and generally need to do, but like, where can I have creative freedom with it? And if something goes wrong, how do I just, problem solve and make the drill work anyways. Um, so I look at that. Um, I also look at it more of like an accountability factor too. It's like, I think it's easy to think that the coach just doesn't see stuff when you're younger. Like I can cheat this gap drill because I don't want to get beat, but it doesn't make you any better. And you just assume a coach might not see it. And you learn that lesson eventually, but now having been a coach, I see that. And I see like, okay, everything I do matters, even the little details. And if a coach wants me to do X detail, there's probably a reason behind it. So even if I think it's dumb, or even if I'm not good at it, I'm going to do it. Um, so those are kind of the first few things that come to my mind. Um, but it just gives you a different view on the game. Like when you have to explain something to a 13 year old that is super spaced out and has no idea what's going on, it really makes you (laughs) figure out, okay, I need to break this down into the simplest of terms. What is the core of this concept? Just totally boiled down. What is it? And when you can break it down like that, it seems a little bit simpler when you have to do it yourself, I think. Okay. I I got a few things we need to dive into on this. (laughs) Um, Moving from just doing the drill and following the pattern into finding the freedom within the drill. Like I found that to be like absolutely massive for the players that maybe don't follow the drill exactly how it's supposed to be done and throw just like a little bit of a wrench or like you can see they're in their mind putting a game situation to the drill to make it extra realistic 
or they won't do the same thing two times in a row. Like they're finding ways to personalize the practice that really engages themselves further in exploring and learning. And I think that's absolutely massive as, as a long-term difference maker. And it's something I've noticed that truly the best players that I've ever coached have that similarity. Like that is something that is noticeable uh, at being at this long enough that like you don't get a player like that every single team like the truly special ones that have separated themselves and uh, it obviously can come out a little bit easier in like one-on-one lessons but if you're watching as a coach like those players are are truly special especially if you're like trying to scout and you go to a practice and you're seeing someone trying something within a drill where maybe it wasn't exactly there like Mm. you're you're tapping into something extra so i'm i'm curious about like diving into the idea of like personalizing the practice within the team practice for like yourself. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. That's, that's been um, probably a really big difficulty within our team practicing because our girls are really, really good at following direction or listening to specific things, but they, a lot of times don't want to venture outside of that. Again, probably going back to that, like I want to do it perfect mentality, which I appreciate because there is an attention to detail to that. Um, But also I think the first thing was just giving them permission to have freedom within drills. Like we have stopped and said, look, if it doesn't go this way, you don't have to stop and freeze because you aren't sure what to do because it, it suddenly somewhere in the process, it went wrong, right? Like if two people go instead of one and you're not sure who it's supposed to be, look at each other And then one person just go, just figure it out, you know? And I think I tried to get out of the habit of just saying, just figure it out. Because in my head that translated into just come up with a solution and stick with it. And the other person just go with it. Right. Like, it's just that split second of like, oh, I was supposed to be F1, but you're going so you can go and I'll come back as F2. Just the little adjustments, giving them permission to make them. Like you can change our drill a little bit. That helped a lot because then, you know, we have a two-on-one drill and they don't think they have to do this every time, not in that particular situation. Um, And then another aspect of that is giving them options of different ways they can be creative. Because sometimes they're like, well, I don't know what to do. Well, that's okay. But here are some things you can do, showing them how to do those things in different scenarios and then giving them the freedom to try them is really helpful. So they have a direction. Um, Yeah, love that. Yeah, that's probably just like the most basic building block. Just you can do it. Here's what you can do. We give you permission to try it. (laughs) And then obviously there's different levels of development that come with that. But that's for someone at the most basic level not being able to just do something different. That's kind of where we start. At least I've tried. <laughs> well, giving players permission is always a great thought rather than, you know, giving them a new one for not making a tape to tape pass. Like, I don't know if you've watched a game, but there, there aren't many of those. <laughs> like a lot of space passes, just get into a space where teammate can pick it up. Like most of the pl- best plays really aren't tape to tape passes or they're like slips. Like, there's a ton of more. So I love that you're, you're saying, okay, have the permission. And, and the other thing was like, just like getting them to read off of each other. Mm-hmm. Cause it doesn't matter what you do it matters. What 
the other people on the ice are doing because mm-hmm. if you're just really good at a drag shot and this is my favorite part about like watching skills coaches go like they practice this drag shot and then the kid throws it in a game and it's like the exact wrong time to do a drag <laughs> shot you just like get stolen or actually get obliterated so it's like well there's a component of, of perception here that we're kind of forgetting about um so like it's the whole perception versus action so that that's where i get razzled as a coach nowadays it's like we're just scripting lines and where people have to go and we're taking out like all of the timing all of the perception that actually needs to happen like i'd rather have poor technique obviously there's some techniques like in shooting that are better than others um and like the key elements we need to teach same with skating but like as long as it gets there and they're starting to see when and where and why like oh it's it's a whole new ball game and uh i love how you're talking about giving them options and trying to expand the range of what they see as possible. Like I remember my coach once at, at uh, the university of Akron, Matt cook, who's been on the podcast in the past. And the first time that he's like, Oh yeah, just do an indirect pass. And then we literally did a drill for like maybe three minutes of just doing some indirect passes and like trying to catch it off the wall. Like I, I think a lot of light bulbs went off that day. <laughs> like that was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then before you know it, like we're scrimmaging later and, People are throwing in some bank passes indirect off the wall. Like what? Now, now you don't have to worry about going tape to tape or indirect and put in front of the D like, this is great. Uh, so I love that. And then just finding ways and drills where players are forced to be creative within them. Like you can have set times or areas that they have to go in, but then allowing them to go from there. That is fantastic. How has your drill selection or drill design changed? A lot, a lot, particularly in the last few months, um, like these random things that I'm talking about of like giving them the ability to have freedom within drills and like trying to give them the options and teaching them they don't have to be perfect and things. These are things that I've literally learned in the last like three months. I, <laughs> I didn't, I'm not just a genius that figures it out on my own. Like it's, I've just have asked a lot of questions to a lot of people or whenever I'm out with a coach, I just observe like what's happening right now. Like I skate with the 18 new boys and I will watch the drills and I'm like, are they getting these drills? Yes or no. No. And if it's yes, then I'm like, what do I like about this? If it's no, then I'm like, what do I not like about this? And how is this confusing for me as a player? Or does this drill give me freedom as a player? So I take what I do myself and then I kind of translate that into like, what's the goal that I have with these girls? So if my goal, for example, um, was, you know, we want them to work on their initiative and their forecheck, like that understanding of like moving and anticipating without having to like stand there and wait to look at someone and realize where you need to be. So we just design a drill that one gets them moving two makes them make decisions, but three also like gives them a little bit of freedom of like, it's not going to be standing still at a cone and you have to go back and forth because that's not realistic. So asking a lot of questions, um, and then thinking about like the goal in mind, what are we trying to teach them? And then working backwards from there, And then also just kind of fine tuning it. Like if we do this once and it just doesn't seem like they either a got it or B like it wasn't accomplishing the goal, then we might get another shot and give them a chance to get it right. But if that's not the case or it wasn't teaching what we wanted specifically, then we'll pick a different way to teach it. Love that. Like 
didn't work, but rather than abandoning it, like you know, what kind of adjustments could possibly make and make it fit for that team? I remember going out for a sight unseen uh, practice of someone of a team. Well, not team. It was actually house kids that were raising to level of contact. And I remember just like, okay, I got to right size this. And it's been a long time since I've been with that age group. Like, how do we do this? And then I was like, ah, this drill is terrible. Probably just to ditch it. Or here's what I would do differently on this and sizing it out and figuring out what space. And Marty St. Louis even talked about that when he started with the halves. He's like, yeah, I just got to right space it. Like, but it's the exact same thing he was doing with peewees, just apply it to the NHL players and figure out the right spacing and timing and what needs to be done. So love that. Yeah. yeah. So circling back to uh, taking lessons from, from coaching to playing uh, we, we've touched on the one about accountability. So like the details matter and the reasons behind them and the coaching, but the idea that I really want to dive into here is teaching helps you learn better. And maybe that's and maybe that's something that we should do more or have players do more. And it will not be good. They're learning. When you're learning, you are not even close to perfection or where maybe you want to be. So it's definitely not the most efficient from a short-term standpoint, but probably is extremely effective from a full season and more time frame, which I'm not sure everyone has the patience for, but I think there's a lot to be said there. Yeah. Yeah. You can say that again. I, well, there also have been some opportunities for particularly our girls to help quote unquote coach, you know, you've got the blue jackets hockey league with hundreds and hundreds of these little kids and they need people to just be out there. Or we had our girls out with sled hockey and special hockey and Oh boy, you should see the light bulbs that went off. Not only when they get excited to help people, but also when they're like, I have to teach someone else how to shoot, (laughs) you know, and I still learning how to shoot myself. So I think it forces them to think about, like we said, to verbalize what you're doing. That's a lot harder than it seems like, especially, you know, for someone that doesn't like to talk a lot, unlike me, (laughs) it can be hard. Um, So I think there is that positive from it. And I think also if if kids understand what that positive is, then they might be more apt to try it. Um, And then they also need that opportunity. So like, you can't just be like, well, learn how to coach and then bye. (laughs) You know, they aren't going to just figure that out themselves. Um, And then also one way that you can kind of get around that, that I actually utilized when I was in my last year, um, when I was relearning how to play forward. Cause I was a four when I was like 12 and under and it was great. It was fine. Then I was a D from the time I was 12 until I was a senior in college. And then going back to being forward my fifth year, that was a pretty large challenge where I almost even approached it. Like I didn't think I could learn. I didn't have confidence that I could learn how to do something that large well on the best team in the country. Um, so I would just teach myself, <laughs> like I would sit down and grab a board and I would verbally and actually physically draw like on the breakout, I'm going to enter the zone and come through the dots. And then I'm going to open up towards the wall. When I get the puck, if someone comes straight at me, I'm going to either chip it off the wall, pass to my center or step off the wall, hit the weak side D hit the center. Like I would verbalize these different things and actually just finding creative ways to teach, even if you're just teaching yourself or like your parents is a great way to practice coaching, right? 
before you actually have an opportunity to be on the ice with someone showing them something. So it's kind of a little bit of a couple ideas. I think that is a fantastic idea. Uh, I'm assuming you're, you're in the minority of actually doing that. So you're, you're basically from understanding this properly is you would kind of see yourself in common situations and then you would process what your reads would be in those situations. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I would watch a lot of video. I watched a lot of video, just NHL players, college players. I picked someone on my team that was in my position, went on in stat and watched all of her shifts in any given game. She had like two, three goals, whatever, and watch them see like the different patterns. I did the whole, I think, I don't remember who it was that had them do this, but I followed an NHL player for an entire game and just drew on a piece of paper where he went over the ice. And then, yeah. The old Wayne Gretzky. Yes. Yes. Pick situations. And then just, you know, like if this happens, then these are my options. And then if this happens, these are my options. And just knowing your options and like drawing where you would go or where the puck would go makes it when you get in that situation, you're a lot less likely to just freeze. Cause you know, if I'm on the half wall and there's someone coming at me, I should have a person here, here, and an option here. So that was a great way for me to learn, but also now I can teach that better because I've drawn it a million times myself. Fascinating. I love, I love this. Uh, you're, you're clearly a much better and more dedicated player than I ever was. <laughs> I'm also jealous, uh, the current generation at how much video there is out there. I've ever seen myself on video, like in college for the first time. Like, Man, I am so bad. <laughs> so bad. Um, <laughs> uh, so, talked a lot about what you've learned so far i'm curious about what you're currently thinking about and experimenting with Uh, gosh a lot a lot at one time um i think the biggest thing that i've been working on trying to figure out how to teach is again going back to that intensity and that um almost like a not a hyper focus but just having players be ready to step on the ice and it's like it's in the details and it's hard to teach details like tape your stick before coach comes in the locker room for a game be on the ice on the bench two three minutes before the zamboni finishes and when we get on the ice make the passes to someone's tape or where they're supposed to go and don't just chuck it without looking it's like the little things that i think kind of for at least for our team boils down to focus. Cause it's not that they aren't fully capable of doing it. Um, so just working on trying to figure out how to mix intensity and focus into games or to challenge them like, okay, we're going to do a competition drill, the first drill of practice. And the team that wins doesn't have to do a, like an extra skating, like an extra wrap a down and back or something like challenging them of like, okay, you stepped on the ice now you need to be focused because you have to win this game. And if you don't win this game, then the other team wins and you guys have to do a down and back. So challenging them to like step foot on the ice, be ready to go. Um, I also have really been trying to help them with just like the, the mental side of things, paying particular attention to, to like the words that I use and the words that they use, or if they say something out loud that I know is just speaking the wrong thing. Like I can't do this because I can't shoot or I can't lift the puck, or I am not good at center. 
just correcting them and teaching them why they shouldn't be saying those things out loud, much less thinking those things. Like you can only imagine what's going on in their head. If they're saying, I'm so bad at this, I can't do this. You know, what's going on in their, their mind that that's probably more inhibiting than their physical skill. So the mental side, the intensity, um, and then like we talked about giving them that creative freedom, but also still teaching them patterns at the same time. It's like learning the balance of here's a controlled breakout and what you can do, but then here's how you can have freedom within it. That's a really hard balance. I'm still trying to figure out like, how do I teach a pattern, but not make it so rigid that they can only think about doing the pattern at any given time. It's like fine dining and breathing. Like, no, there's more, you can do more, but it's good to know those things so well that you don't need to think about them but you need to know more so you, you can do them without having to just only know one pattern. Awesome. All right. Uh, last little bit here from, from my side and then I'll open it up to whatever you want to chat about. So you ask a lot of questions. What is the next question or the current question that you're asking folks? Cause you want to figure it out next. Okay. So we've, we've gone from what have you learned in the past? What are you experimenting in the present? Where are we going in the future? Um, I think one question I always ask is just, what do you see that I can do better? Which is super vague. I've been trying to, trying to figure out how to fix that question. Um, but also just, if you were in my position, what would you do differently than what I'm doing? Um, or particularly I will pick whatever area it is that I'm trying to figure out and just ask you know, how have you developed this in your players or pick a successful coach, one that I like their coaching style or their playing style. It's like, if you were trying to develop this in your players, you know, what are some main things you'd focus on? I just like giving, I mean, most players, much less most coaches know the way that they would do things or the way they've done things in the past. So if there's a coach that I like and respect, especially because I'm still playing and maybe the way that they teach things clicks with me. I just want to give them freedom to share whatever it is necessary. Cause like, I don't want to ask them a question that puts them in a box and have them give me the answer that I want. Like, am I doing this right? Well, obviously they're probably going to be inclined to say yes. And if they say no, maybe they won't even say something that's outside of that box that would have helped me. All right. Uh, I think w- one lesson all players can take away uh, from Emily here is the fact that you should be demanding more of your coaches. It shouldn't just be a one-way spigot where the coach is trying to put things in you. Like you should be actively be like, I, I want things like being assertive and aggressive. Uh, is, is not always a bad thing when you're trying to acquire knowledge that is going to help you <clears throat> help you succeed. Uh, I'm assuming that's been a separator for, for you. Um, I'd hope so. I mean, I, I'm a big feedback person and not everybody is, but I was always asking probably too many questions. I learned in college, my, my coach helped me learn a little bit of the balance. Like, okay, you don't always need to ask a thousand questions. And I've got players like that now. And I'm like, I get it. I get it now. I, I get why I didn't need to ask about if this happens, then what do I do? Like, just do it. Just do as it is. Um, but yeah, I think that being able to ask more has been more helpful than asking too little and then taming it down from there, for sure. Awesome. Well, this has been fantastic. Uh, 
where would you like to take the conversation or you, you want to take just two minutes, make some plugs or uh, <laughs> talk about anything and, and wrap it up. It's open architecture now. Throwing it back uh, on you. No, I don't really have any plugs to put in for anything because, you know, I'm just, I'm here. I work with everybody anyways. Um, but I think one thing that I do think is important for anybody learning how to coach or anybody that is coaching is just having patience with yourself, which I am the worst at. So that's why I'm saying it, but just the expectations and the goals that I have don't always work out. And my head coach um, that I work with just reminded me of this last night. Like coaching is a long and painful process. I mean, you're, you're not coaching X's and O's you're coaching human beings, and these human beings have a million other things they're doing outside of the rink. And just thinking back to when I was in college and I would have a coach show up that would just seem like he's in a bad mood. And we're like, you expect us to show up in a good mood and leave everything at the door and get on the ice. And it's just hockey. And yet you're upset. You know, it's like, well, yeah, everybody's going to have days like that. So being patient with yourself and with your players, but also just knowing that it's a long process and not for me, at least not having expectations of accomplishing my goals in three weeks or three months or even three years. Like there's no timeline on when a kid can just get it because it took me a while to get it. So, you know, I, it would be unfair for me to just, you know, assume one way or the other. And sometimes players will, will not uh, be solving whatever you're trying to help them with in, in your timeline. Uh, I've had plenty of players that where I have to turn to my assistant coach. I'm like, I know you're trying really hard. I, I just don't think this person is ready for the teachers, <laughs> right? Like what, I forget what the phrase is, but like when the student is ready, the teacher appears, something like yes. that, but like, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, something like that. And, and I think, again, you're a great quote. Coaching is a process. Uh, it's sometimes long and sometimes painful. Sometimes it's quick. And uh, if, you, if you ever, as a new coach, go in with the thought process, like, I'm going to fix these players and we're, you know, going to take this peewee team to the Stanley Cup. Like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Like, the, again, it's exactly what you're talking about. You're developing human beings first and foremost. And maybe less about catching a breakout pass and more about handling your emotions would lead to much more development because now they're able to develop better. Uh, so, Maybe we should coach less hockey and coach more people. Uh, so that was absolutely fantastic. And I'm glad you brought that up. because I think that's a great point for everyone to remember. Uh, and can often get lost in the shuffle as we look at all the details and really dive into the finer nuances of coaching. Yeah, you can say that again. Definitely the people side of things. And I think my coach in college, uh, my D coach, the one thing he said to me, fairly often, um, but especially like end of the season, you know, end of the career type of thing was, you know, I love this job. I don't get paid enough for it, but I love this job because I get to see people grow from the time they're a freshman coming in to the time they're a senior when they leave. And the way that they grow as a person is so much more valuable than what they do on the ice here. Um, and I think that's something that I try and remember. Like I'm trying to be the person that these people remember, not because I'm so great, but because I paid attention to them when they had a bad day and I taught them how to do something that maybe has been frustrating them their entire lives, like overthinking or being upset when, you know, you can't do something right or feeling like you're the worst player on the ice. So that's kind of at least, you know, at the end of the day, what I try and 
approach with my kids is just to be the person that's in their life that gives them confidence, but also teaches them something. So. Awesome. Well, I, I think unless you have something groundbreaking that we need to dive into next, that is probably the perfect way to uh, end the episode here. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Emily, I, I see you're shaking your head there. So uh, I'll, I'll wrap this one up a little bit. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. This was an exciting dive uh, and actually probably be really cool. Uh, to go back in time and listen to it in a year or two and see <laughs> how you've grown yourself. Uh, it's always good to have that little marker. I think it's kind of like a video journal. In this case, it'll be a, an audio journal of uh, what happened. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing your experiences. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Sometimes I even learn as you're asking questions. So thank you very much. That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockeysarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch you Buttes here next week for a brand new episode.